Welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle Palazan, your host, the head witch in charge of holisticism, Pisces sun by day, Scorpio moon by night, and I'm so happy that you're here. Welcome to this episode of the 12th House. Happy Friday. If you're listening to this on a Friday, which is when these podcast episodes normally drop. I don't know if anyone's noticed, if you're a listener, if you're not a listener and this is your first time, Welcome. Wow, did you pick a good episode to to slide in on? And if you are a listener and you haven't subscribed yet, oh man, I so strongly suggest it. So you never miss an exciting moment (laughs) on this episode or on this podcast. But I don't know if you noticed, but every Friday we've been talking about intuitive business content. That's kind of like our theme for Friday content. And I wanted to talk about content. We wanted to dive deep on content for a couple of reasons. Because I love content and I love talking about it. And it's what I spent like a decade of my life doing and what we do at Holisticism. So I have a lot to say about it. I have a lot of strong opinions. If you couldn't tell, I was going to say it's a Scorpio moon. I think it's because I'm maybe Italian. I don't know. Or other things. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I am. Because I'm Michelle. Funny side note, when my partner didn't request my hand in marriage, when he told my dad that he was thinking about proposing, my dad was like, she's very intuitive. You need to know that about her. And my Ethan was like, yeah, I'm aware. She's got like seven altars set up in the house and she burns spell candles every night. So I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm aware. And my dad was also like, and she suffers no fools. And boy, oh boy, did Greg Pelazon call me out. That is true. Do not suffer fools. I have strong opinions. However, I would like to say they are loosely held. If you can convince me to change my mind, I'll listen to a good argument. But anyways, strong opinions over here. I love content. I think it's like, the future. <laughs> and it's so funny because when I was fundraising a couple of years ago for holisticism and when I was working in content at startups, we were always like relegated to the corner of the office. It was like content's not important. Content, this is super misogynist, but content's for girls. That's what it was like. It was always an all women team that I was on for content, which was like weird. I don't know. Cause like men could also make content. It was just bizarre and non-binary people can make content like whatever we were always like pushed over in the corner and like kind of ignored and never got budget and I never understood that because I was like yo we're making content to sell your shit like the reason that people even come to this website is to look at this stupid blog like that we're writing or like how do you think you oh you make money every time we sell send emails guess who wrote the emails dimwit (laughs) like talking about dingus get it together and I always felt like how could people not see how could these CEOs not understand that content was like a key component to selling things to having a successful business and when I started pitching investors a couple years ago they asked me a lot when I was making holisticism because originally when I made holisticism I started as a newsletter and then I built software for wellness practitioners it was kind of like a SaaS product so a software as a service and investors would say like well what is this is it a media company is it SaaS is it a marketplace and I heard so many people say don't get into media don't get into media it's so hard making content so hard like doesn't make you any money I was like what are you talking about do you know do you guys know about HBO and Netflix? Like, I don't think you understand what you're saying right now. And I think thankfully the tide has turned and people are starting to see how valuable content is and how lucrative it is, but also just how it is 
truly like the currency of our generation. It's like pop culture currency is content. And I think that's something that most of us kind of understand on like maybe like a subconscious level or an unconscious level that we need to make content in order to get in front of the people we want to get in front of and sell our things, or we can actually make content and make money off of content. And I think that's really cool. But most people, I would venture to say, don't understand on a conscious level how to do that, right? Like how to actually make content that's awesome and fun and intuitive and aligned with their beliefs and their ideas and who they want to be in the world and also have it be lucrative and not like extractionary and gross and achy and feel like it's preying on people. And we've seen like this explosion of people interested in making content, especially in the last year since COVID, because we've got like, guess what? We can do like three things. We can make bread, we can watch content or we can make content. Like that's it. That's all we get to do. And I think that's wonderful because so many people have gotten wise to the idea that, oh my God, I can make an online course with this brilliant knowledge that I have, or I can build a membership community, or I can make an OnlyFans account or a Patreon or a paid podcast, or I can put out a PDF and people will pay for it, or I can make a set of templates, or I can make like a Notion document and people actually want to download that and use it. And it's useful and helpful. And and how cool is that? So I love talking about content for all these reasons, right? There are like, of course, more reasons beyond that. And it's just my favorite thing. And it's one of my favorite things, I should say, next to Ethan and my dog, Bonnie, and my team in holisticism and being a witch. But content's up there. It's up there. It's like in the top seven. So we've been having more episodes. We've been hosting more episodes around making content in particular when it comes to intuitive business. And today I wanted to talk about something that I think gets overlooked a lot in the content creation process, which is the intuitive element of it. And really like when we're making anything, we're tapping into source. Like if we're truly being creative, if we're not like, you know, forcing something, writing emails because we have to. If we like allow ourselves to open up to source God, our higher selves, whatever you want to call it, the divine, that's channeling. <laughs> like you're channeling. You're making content, but you're channeling. You're making a TikTok, but you are also an intuitive psychic. So I think that's really cool. And it's something that we overlook and we kind of like forget about, right? Because so often we're like pushing, pushing, pushing to make and spit out content at this really rapid clip. And it causes us to like tense up and clench our buttholes. And it kind of like makes the muse drift away and like flee from our shoulder. Cause she's like, you are uptight. And Instead, I think we can make our lives so much easier. We can make our content so much better and juicier and so much more fun if we just opened up to the intuitive elements of it and opened up to the fact that it's pretty much just channeling, especially when you're doing it really well. And channeled content is more often than not like way better than whatever you could put out from your conscious mind. Sometimes I look at emails that I've written and I'm like, when my Akashic records were open, which I'm going to talk about because I want to tell you a couple ways to get in channeling mode to make content. So I'll read these emails and I'm like, damn, that's funny. That's really good. Like that's not me. I'm not funny. <laughs> I'm so socially awkward. I'm not funny. So that clearly did not come from my conscious brain. That came from something beyond me. And I'm really grateful that it came through, but I could not replicate that if I tried. And 
I think that mystery and like excitement is really cool. And we teach this in Profitable Content Creator Lab, which is our course around for making content intuitively. We launched it last year and it was such a hit and so many people loved it. So we're opening it again in April. And it's a really robust course. We dive into making courses and making membership platforms in particular. So if that's something that you're, you want to learn more about, we kind of run you through the basics of how to do that. And we also marry the intuitive elements of it because I think that that's really like where the fun and where the like juiciness lives. Yeah, of course, like you want to understand how to market your course and or your membership. You want to understand how to price it and make money. You want to understand like the tools and the systems and the software and all the things that you need to make it. But I think you also, if you're listening to this episode or you're listening to this podcast, like you're an intuitive person. You're a psychic person. You're a mystical, spooky witch, right? And you we can't just ignore those elements of ourselves when we're making and doing, especially if we're like making something that's close to our heart. I think we need to integrate them into our experience and what we do. So I just love PCCL. Again, it opens in April and end of April, April 19th. And it's just so, mm, it's so magical and good. I love it. I can't wait for it. It's, we have so many surprises up our sleeve, but I wanted to talk in this week's episode, (laughs) not about how excited I am for all the surprises in PCCL, but about what the typical process of making content is and things that I genuinely find really, really helpful. And also some mystical and magical ways to channel your content that I also find really helpful. To give you some context, I've had lots of content creating careers. I think like my most not stressful, but like highest output content creation time was when I worked at a startup and had to write like five articles a day, which doesn't sound like a lot, but is actually a lot, especially if you're not like choosing your topics that you're writing on. And at other times in my life, I've been a consultant and freelancer who worked on content creation for other brands. At one point when I was running Holisticism, when I first got started, I was like consulting on five different projects and writing blogs for everyone and writing emails and just like the output was astronomical and I had to get it done, right? Because I had no other option. If I didn't, I didn't get paid. It wasn't like I was on a salary. And I didn't always have like a boner for what I was writing. I didn't have the flexibility to wait or the luxury to wait until the muse struck, you know, and she like landed on my shoulder and whispered in my ear and was like, this is the best subject line for this email. It was like, I have to write this because it's midnight and this is due at 6am because they're sending the email at seven. So like, get your shit together, pedals on, because this has to be good. And if it's not good, you're going to get fired. So I've been in that. And I've also been in my business, which is, oh, I have tons of flexibility. And if I change my mind, I can change my mind. And sometimes, some months, we get months ahead on our content. Other months, we are not behind, but we are, you know, right on top of our deadline. And so I've done both. I've done all the things. And so I've got a lot of experience is what I'm here to say. And you also probably have a lot of experience making content if you have an Instagram. And you've probably thought about, oh my God, what's the next thing that I have to post? And like, should I batch my content? Should I make all of it right now? What about a quippy like comment? Blah, 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 right? So you probably have some experience of this. Even if you didn't have a career in making content, you get what I'm talking about, right? Sometimes you want to pre-plan and get ahead and not be stressed about it because that just feels so good to 
roll out of bed and be like, okay, great. I know what to post and life is good. But other times you want to wait until that creative spark strikes you because that's when the really good stuff happens. And if we have a business where content is a key component in our business, then we kind of have to strike a balance between the two because we know that content is the thing that's going to get us paid, that's going to keep our business around either directly because you're selling content, right? Because you're selling a course or a membership or a PDF or an OnlyFans or Patreon, or because you need to use content to sell the thing, right? The product whether it's like a digital product, like what I just mentioned, a course or a membership or a physical product like hand lotion or a service, right? Like one-on-one coaching or dentistry. I use dentist every time I talk about service-based businesses. But anyways, either way, you know that you need to make content in order to either market your services or like just get paid. So get paid because people are going to buy your thing. Either way, you need to make content in order to get paid. And The reason that we make content is to educate our users. It's to provide value to our users. It's to provide that like know, like, and trust factor. And also to teach them the what, right? Free content is the what, paid content is the how. If you're ever curious about like how to discern between the two. So content is like doing double and triple duty constant. It's like seriously doing heavy lifting. It's like, I can educate your users. I can make them like you. I can also make them remember you. Also, I can make them trust you. By the way, I can also get you paid and remind your users that you exist, which is another reason that we make content. So typical and like practical methodologies and ways to think about making content to make it easier. Well, let me go back. I got ahead of myself. So that's all to say that like you need to make content consistently like period, end of story. Don't get mad at me. You just have to. Like, I know you don't want to. Listen, sometimes I don't want to make content consistently either. It's annoying, (laughs) especially when I'm depressed. Like, I can't fucking record a podcast. I'm depressed. Let me cry, right? But sometimes we have to do it. And also we can work around those situations, which I'm going to talk to you about in a second. If we know our cadence, if we know ourselves, if we know how we work and what our emotional waves look like, then we can like, work around the lack of consistency that we might have in our personal or emotional or spiritual lives. And we can sort of plan that, well, I know that I kind of have depression. (laughs) So if I'm feeling good, it's probably good for me to batch my content right now because when I'm feeling bad, the shit is not going to be as good. So when I'm on my kick, I got to like store that away. It's like the story of the ant and the grasshopper in the winter, that parable, right? You want to store away your grain so that when winter comes, you got food to eat. So let's talk about some of the ways that are practical that you can sort of wrap your brain around a consistent content creation process. And that could either mean you're consistently making content or just consistently pushing content. And maybe your content creation process is completely inconsistent but it's consistently inconsistent. Have I said too much word wrap of consistent? I don't know. Text me about it. Okay. So let's talk about the most important thing, which is your content ecosystem. I don't know if this is a real thing, but this is how I think about it. So just go with me. Every piece of content that you make is leading somewhere. We are not just like throwing shit up on our blog or sending out a rando email or like posting a weird story just to do it. We are 
leading to something. We are breadcrumbing to something, to an action, to something that we want our users to do. Maybe we want the action to be join my email list. Maybe we want the action to be join my membership community or join my OnlyFans, right? Now, we don't need to be explicit every single time we post content. We don't have to be like, join my OnlyFans, join my Patreon, like every single time. That would be annoying, right? But we want our content to lead towards the next step that we want people to take. So again, we're not just like throwing shit at the wall and being like, oh, got to make a content right now. Let me just like whoop, 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 take a picture of my shoe and put it up there. No, that's not going to work for your business. <laughs> Even influencers, right? Like I was just thinking of like who would take a picture like that, like probably a really cool influencer. But like even that is contributing to the ecosystem of their content, the ecosystem of what they're trying to sell. They're trying to sell their coolness to you, right? Or they're trying to sell clothes to you or they're, well, they're selling you their coolness because they want to sell you their influence. So like showing you something cool does that, right? So think about the ecosystem that you have around your content. What is at the center of that ecosystem? Is it a product? Is it a service? That's it. Is it a product or is it a service? Or is it an idea, right? Maybe you want to make content to convince people to be makers. My friend Courtney is an incredible artist and filmmaker and writer. And I think that she makes content to inspire people to make and to like go out in the world and make their thing. Great. So that's the action she wants them to take, right? That's at the center of her content ecosystem. So every piece of content that she makes is driving, it's breadcrumbing towards that. So same thing for you. You want to think about what's at the center of your content ecosystem. And maybe you have multiple ecosystems, right? That's totally fine. We can have multiple ecosystems on the planet Earth. We can have multiple multiple ecosystems in the rainforest, right? That's totally cool. And they can be like simpatico. So what are your ecosystems if you have multiple? What's the content or what's the product at the center of them or the service, right? And that is what you are going to make content around. I'm, I'm picturing like a Venn diagram in my brain, of like overlapping things. So think about your content ecosystem and what's going to live in that content ecosystem. So if I'm talking about like amazing headbands, I've just, I've got two headbands on my desk right now. So that's what we're going to use as our example then what's some content that I can make for headbands, right? I probably want to take some pictures of girls in headbands or men in headbands or non-binary people in headbands. I probably want to talk about the cool headband styles that are coming into vogue lately. Maybe I want to do some historical headbands. Maybe I want to talk about hairstyles that you can use with headbands to not look like Charlotte from Sex in the City because she's kind of lame, right? We're just like spitballing some ideas that make sense in this ecosystem that are breadcrumbing to the action that we want our users to take. So that's the most important thing is thinking about your content ecosystem. And very, very, very rarely are you going to have content that goes up that's outside of your ecosystem. And again, it doesn't have to be like explicit by my headbands, right? It can be a beautiful image of someone with great hair pulled behind their ear. That's it. That's totally fine. That's good. That's within the ecosystem. It's not like in your face. And then every now and then you're probably going to want to explicitly say, buy my headbands, but in a, in a like classy way. You know what I mean? So make sure rule number one, understand your content ecosystem. Even if you need to like draw this out, I so strongly recommend you do it. It will really help your process. Next, another thing that's going to 
help you make content more consistently beyond understanding what your content's leading to is creating a calendar. I know it's not the sexiest thing in the world to have an editorial calendar, but boy, oh boy, do they help. I'll tell you that right now. I have worked in editorial teams that were right on top of their calendars and that others that were not. And yeah, you want a team that's on their shit, (laughs) that follows the calendar because you can be so much more thoughtful about your content ecosystem, right? About like, why are we selling? What are we selling? Why are we trying to like drive people to and why? And what do they need to know or understand? And instead of like thinking of things off the cuff or like, because it's, you know, nine o'clock at night and your blog post is supposed to go up tomorrow, you can be much more thoughtful and deliberate with your time and attention. And that pays off because that usually leads to better content. And we're going to talk about why, because usually that means that you can channel it as opposed to just like stress and butt clenching your way through it. But we'll talk about channeling in just a second. So getting an editorial calendar set up is not that hard. Oh, I made you a template so you can, you can get this, get it at holisticism.com backslash content dash creation. It's a dashboard as the content creation station. That's fucking sweet. And I, I have an editorial calendar in there for you that's really cool and I hope you love it. It's inside Notion so you can just duplicate it onto your own board and it's going to be great. But get yourself an editorial calendar, build it out for like at least two months and then stay on top of it. (laughs) Don't ignore it. Use it. The next piece of advice that I have for you is batching content. Now, batching content is admirable. It's not for everyone. My MGs out there, you might not be content batchers. That's okay. That's okay. We still love you. We Not we still love you. We love you. Like we love you no matter what. Batching content just, it comes from the idea of deep work, which is a book written by Cal Newport. And Cal Newport in this book talks about how we really don't afford ourselves time to do deep work anymore. Deep work just means that you're spending two to three hours with your head down in one idea. We have gotten so used to monotasking and jumping between monotasks like every five seconds. I notice even myself like every, I don't know, when I'm bored in the car, like when someone else is driving, like every 30 seconds, I'll like open up my phone. It's so gross. It's like not that cute. We're just so accustomed to bouncing between things all day long, our email, our Instagram, Reddit, our whatever browser, whatever's on the phone, you know, TV. And in his book, Deep Work, Cal Newport says, you know, we really need to give ourselves time to go deep on one idea, to monotask for a longer period of time than 15 seconds. And when we do, we're going to uncover so much more information about ourselves and create like really like deep neural connection and really understand things more clearly and and solve problems in a more robust way. And arguably the reason that we don't get further ahead in life is because, and like put further ahead in quotations, the reason that we don't achieve what we want is because we never allow ourselves to go deep on something. And when we're constantly skating on the surface, we don't allow ourselves that depth. We don't see progress. We see like minuscule, tiny millimeter steps towards the direction we want to go in. And when we give ourselves deep work time, we move like in leaps and bounds. And so batching content is basically the idea of deep work, right? Where if I give myself two to three to four hours to just get in the zone, 
get in my computer place, (laughs) drink my tea and like pound out some really awesome content and only have that on my list and not have to toggle between answering emails or hopping on a phone call and distracting myself and getting all over the place, then I'm going to make really high quality content and I'll also probably make it faster. I have definitely found this to be true. And I'll just tell you this, I also struggle with batching content and being able to focus for four hours at a time, especially if I'm feeling anxious or if I'm feeling depressed. I just kind of can't. So batching is when I get the opportunity to do it, I love and I feel really good. I think it's so useful. And sometimes it's just not possible. But there's a hack to deep work, which is getting a buddy to do it with you. I found that when I co-work with someone, I'm it's so much easier for me to do deep work with them. If we like carve out three or four hours, Wallace and I will do this a lot. A lot. We'll just like, we almost won't talk to each other for the rest of the week because we work remote. And then we'll just stay on Zoom for like three hours, three and a half hours and like go ham on one idea. And it's so much better than trying to have like a 30 minute meeting or an hour long meeting, like, you know, every week. It just like gives us really the space to like, go, 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 and then go execute, which I really love. So batching content can be a potentially great option for you. When you're batching, I just want to remind you that it's not just the creation process that you're going to need to batch. You're also going to need to factor in the timing of like formatting your blog posts or editing your podcast or your YouTube, whatever piece of content you're doing. So schedule that into your time too. When you're batching content, give yourself two to four hours to just create, not do any of the admin stuff, not do any like brainstorming, really create like writing or recording podcast episodes or, you know, making videos like that is the two and a half hours or two to four hours. You will need time to like pitch yourself ideas and to do the admin work. So just slot that into your calendar separately. Make sense? Okay, cool. And that's my last recommendation for like practical ways to make content and to to get yourself in the zone to make content consistently. Of course, there are things like binaural beats, which are not exactly like practical. I'd say they're a little less mainstream. I think binaural beats can be really helpful to like getting you in sort of like that trance state. I've also heard that listening to video game music can be really helpful for people who have ADHD because video game music is meant to be, it's orchestrated to be both energizing, but focusing because they want you to play the game, right? And focus on the game. So that's worth, you know, YouTubing. But now I want to talk about channeling and how I think the best content is channeled content and a couple ways to do that. Before we get into channeling, I will say the most important piece of advice I can give you around making content is to never start from an empty page. And that's, I think, why some of the best work comes from channeled content or like these methods, because you are not starting from like a blinking cursor. You are jumping off from an idea, from a subject, from a tarot card, from something. You are responding. And I also want to just recommend that everyone does something called creating a second brain. It can be as simple as just like, saving all the things that are interesting to you in a Notion document or even on your bookmarks tab on your computer. 
are on Chrome. But second brain is so important for me. I have a second brain tab on my Notion where I just store information, articles, ideas, things I read that are interesting to me. And when I need to go write something, I go to my second brain first. Or when I need to make a podcast, I go and I need ideas. I go to my second brain to get ideas because that's where I've been storing things that are interesting to me. And I never make something just like from my brain. I'm I'm constantly in relationship to the world around me. We all are, right? And so never starting from a blank page is really important. We need to remember that we are not in this box by ourselves or in a silo by ourselves. We are in the world with other people and we are responding. We are in response to them or and they're responding to us. So my big recommendation is never write from an empty page or a blank page, never create from a blank page. And I think that channeling can really help you not do that. It gives you something on your page to get started with. So I've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, six different ideas for how to channel your content. And I think they're all great. So my first recommendation is to use the tarot. Duh right? I have a lot of tarot decks here in my house. I just turned my head to look at all the decks behind me. And I noticed that when I go to sit down to either write an email or to write a blog post, I'm feeling just like, ugh. even when I have the topic or like the subject that I know I want to write about, I'm just like really running into a wall. What I'll do is I'll ask the tarot to tell me, how do I need to deliver this message? Or what state is my audience in right now? Like, how are they feeling? And how can I like make sure that I deliver a message to them that's useful and important? And then I shuffle my cards and I pull a card. You can also just pull a tarot card and use that to start jogging your unconscious mind. In March, Inside the North Node, we're talking about the unconscious and we're using the tarot. There's actually a challenge to pull a tarot card every day for 31 days and to create a relationship with it, to you know, talk to it and and interpret it. And I think that this is number one, just so fun to pull a tarot card every day and really study it. But it's also absolutely necessary to like unlock your unconscious or subconscious mind because we so, so often want to just like get the right answer, right? Well, what does the card mean? And like, what does the book say the card means? When in reality, we have so much information in front of us, so much juicy information to pull from, right? Like look at any tarot card, even like the Rider Waite Smith deck, right? They are full of color and imagery and archetypes and references to art and humanity and our stories. And there's so much that we can pull from them. Even like you know, let's say you're pulling the moon card and you see the little scorpion. If you're pulling the Rider Waite Smith or you're pulling the Tarot de Marseille deck, you see the little scorpion in the water. It's like, wow, that could mean so many things to so many different people. Maybe to me, I'm like, oh yeah, that's the Scorpio because Scorpio's waters run deep and Scorpio's just like hanging out in the water under the moon and I'm a Scorpio moon. So this card is kind of me and my feelings. And maybe you're like my sister who's not into astrology and she's like, oh yeah, you know, lobster. Lobsters are the scorpions of the sea and lobsters live in fish tanks at restaurants, (laughs) you know? And like maybe to her, she's like, and that means, you know, that means being going to your near death. That's, that's pretty scary. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty deep. That's not, it's also not that wrong, right? If we're thinking about like Scorpio and death and (laughs) shadow, I don't know. I could see it. So allowing your unconscious brain 
your subconscious mind to like run wild, to run, run rampant, to be potentially wrong, right? To make connotations with the imagery that you see, with the colors, with the shapes, with the runes, with the astrology that you see on a tarot card can be wonderful for your creative inspiration. And also opens you up again to being able to channel because all we're doing, intuition is just information, right? And we get to choose what we want to do with that information. And when we're highly sensitive or highly intuitive, we are just able to notice more information. When we open ourselves up to notice, right? When we stop and we look at a tarot card, maybe for the first time, and we really see it, as opposed to quickly getting the guidebook to tell us what it reversed means and praying that it doesn't mean that, you know, our significant other is going to break up with us. When we really see it and give ourselves that pause, that sacred pause, then we're opening ourselves up to maybe seeing and hearing more. And so be really, really just like open, be your fertile ground for spirit or intuition to come through and to channel and don't second guess yourself. Just play with this. Play with this idea. Next time you're feeling stuck, pull a tarot card and just see what comes up. It might feel nuts. It might feel absolutely insane. You're like, I don't understand how the two of cups has anything to do with TikTok. But see what interesting connection you can make because that's what art is, right? Good art, interesting art has parameters. It has like constraints applied to it. So if you apply constraints, like, well, I got to make this two of cups work somehow in this story about TikTok, then you're going to make something really interesting. You're probably going to see things from a new perspective. That's for sure. And you will very likely understand things in a different way. So I love to use the tarot for all those reasons. The easiest way is to just close your eyes when you're thinking about making a piece of content. And ask like, what is the message that needs to be delivered through this content today that I'm making? And then pull a card. You can also ask, what is the mindset of my community or the people that are going to read this? And what do they need to know? And you can pull two cards for that. The next option is opening up the Akashic Records, which is my favorite. I just love seeing the Akashic Records getting more and more mainstream. I think it's so cool. I'm a certified Akashic Records reader and I've been doing this for like three years and I really enjoy it and I think it's fun and I'm probably like, I'm probably on some people's shit list to be honest with you because I take it very seriously because I think it's an amazing tool, but I also, I also don't take it seriously. Like we all should be able to use the Akashic Records and it ain't that deep. Like you are connecting to the purest frequency and source of love and you are getting, you know, the answers to what has happened, might happen or is going to happen. And you're seeing the most likely outcomes based on the trajectory that you're on. And you also can totally change that trajectory if you decide that you want to change it because you have free will over your destiny. And like, we all should be able to read our records. I think the people who gatekeep the Akashic Records are assholes. And I I don't want to be an asshole. I want you to be able to use them. So we'll put the Pathway Process Prayer in the show notes, but the easiest way to access the Akashic Records is to open them using the Pathway Process Prayer. I have a whole episode on the Akashic Records. Like if you go back, it's one of our earlier episodes. It's really good. So if you have questions about the records, then you should go listen to that. But you can open your records. 
And guess what? You can channel while your records are open. You can ask questions, of course, but you can also just channel. So I do this a lot. I open up my records. I'm like, all right, guys, do magic. (laughs) And I write my sales emails or write my blog posts or fix the website copy. So don't sleep on the Akashic Records. They are great. Just don't forget to close them up afterwards because if you don't close them, first off, bad hygiene, bad spiritual hygiene. Second, it will make you feel really anxious and not good. And also it just like leaves you open and, and defenseless and Again, spiritual hygiene is important. We like want to be mindful, right? And deliberate with the tools that we use. And I almost said I'm irreverent when it comes to the Akashic Records, but that's not true. I'm really reverent when it comes to the records and we want to give them reverence, right? We don't want to forget that they're open. They're such a magical, special gift that when we take them for granted, that's not good. So make sure that you close your records when you are done channeling your amazing marketing email. Okay. Our next option is automatic writing. Automatic writing is cool. It was one of the first practices that I tried and like really resonated with. I read this book called, oh, I had to look at my bookshelf, The Intuitive Way. I was about to call it You Are Psychic, but that's not the book. You Are Psychic is a good book, but I think The Intuitive Way by Penny Pierce is even better. And I so, so, so recommend it to anyone who wants to like tap into their own intuitive gifts. But in the book, she very consistently like recommends that you do intuitive or automatic writing. And all that automatic writing is, is you get really quiet and you can meditate or you can do a visualization of yourself connecting to source or just like, you know, the top of your head opening up and energy pouring through you. And then you put pen to paper and you just see what comes up, what happens. And a lot of the time it's not just like gibberish, but sometimes it's really useful. And I wouldn't say that like I could write an entire blog post automatic writing style, but definitely like a good nugget or a good theme or a good lead could come from an automatic writing session. Plus, again, I've said this a couple of times, but content creation is channeling you know? So you're an open channel and anything that opens up your channel or flushes, you know, your channel clear is going to make it easier for you to channel through the messages that you need. So you could even think of it as like, I don't know, automatic writing is like the super flush, right? That like clears the pipes. And, and then once it's clear, it's like, all right, now I don't need to like be writing like a wild woman (laughs) all over my notebook. I'm now like clear and open and tapped in. And now whatever needs to come through me can come through in a more sort of like organized, less crazed way. So automatic writing is a great tool. And there's also a tiny little book on Amazon called Automatic Writing that is really cute and easy to read and has a lot of suggestions on how to do it. So you could check that out. The next option for channeling content is to tap into what's going on in the ethers through astrology. So you can do this by studying astrology. And I would say like in terms of channeling, this isn't exactly channeling to me. This is more like being aware and doing a temperature read on like what's happening in the world around you. Because when you're making content, you kind of need to put yourself you don't kind of need to. You should put yourself in the shoes of the people who are going to be watching, listening, or reading your content, right? 
Where are they coming from? What's important to them? What do they need to hear? What are they going through? How are they feeling right now? How's this going to land with them? And astrology can help us understand what is fucking going on out in the world beyond us, right? Like, is everyone having a weird vibe right now or is it just me? No, it's not just you. It's because Mercury's retrograde, bitch, you know? So astrology is really good for that because we can see, okay, maybe like Mars is in Aries and that's intense. (laughs) And so maybe what's going to resonate with people right now is like a really clear call to action, a very direct piece of content, not something that's like loosey-goosey all over the place. Maybe even like getting angry, maybe even like being a little, I don't know, tongue-in-cheek or irreverent. That's what's really going to slap for people during a Mars Aries. I'm not an astrologer, so I don't know. Transit. Maybe we're in Pisces season. And so Pisces season is all like, it's all love. It's all like flowy and just like watery and mutable and changing and feeling and going deep. And so maybe that's the type of content that you want to make because you know that people are more likely to receive that during this time, right? Because we're primed for it. So I think when you kind of tap into what the energy of, not to sound like a total LA person, but what the energy is around us and what's going on etherically, then you can tailor your content to that or you can tailor your approach to that. And I think that your content will land and resonate more clearly with people. So that's not exactly channeling, but it's it feels close. The next two, I think are really cool. Bibliomancy. One of my favorite ways to come up with content is to pull a book out of my bookshelf, slide open to a page, and read the first line. And whatever that first line is, is what I'm going to make content about. And it like kicks me off. And I love it because it feels like spirit is like directly pointing me in a direction being like, do this now. You can't change your mind. And I love that. And because again, it opens me up to being like, all right, well, if this wasn't a coincidence, right? Because I have to think if I'm engaging in something like bibliomancy, then I have to know that nothing is a coincidence, especially when I ask for a message or a sign or I I specifically engage in bibliomancy. Then I'm asking spirit, the divine, to show me an answer, to show me information. And so when I do that and I get information, I'm now open to the idea that anything I see is information, right? Because I'm, I asked for it. Sure, I asked for it in a book, but I wasn't like, and only books, right? Now I'm open to if when a butterfly flies past my door or my window, well, that's a message too. That's a piece of information too. So how can I fit that into my content? And then I'm open to when maybe a thought pops into my brain or an idea that seems to come out of nowhere that, well, I maybe should have, instead of like brushing that off and being like, I got to write this other blog post down, maybe I'm more open to that idea. Maybe I'm more open to exploring that idea. And potentially, maybe that's what I actually make my content around. Or maybe it's an important thread to follow in order to deliver the message the content that I'm writing more clearly. Who knows? But I love bibliomancy for that reason in particular, because it asks you to be open to possibilities and that also messages are coming in constantly. And if you just paid attention to them, which is all the bibliomancy is, it's just being like, oh, I guess I'll pay attention to what happens when I open this book to a page and I'll take it more seriously than I would 
and in any other given moment that like there's magic around us all the time you know there's magic in the mundane the we are constantly channeling like the most intuitive people are constantly channeling they don't need to like go meditate for 25 hours in order to like be a clear vessel they just are and they don't have to like speak in tongues or like roll their eyes to the back of their head or be like i'm channeling i'm chan this is a channeled message like they just are all the time and they know that because they're always connected to spirit or divine and that's kind of what i'm getting at here right we're like always connected we're always channeling and there are some practices that just help us trust that more right when we're a little bit more intentional around them or thoughtful or deliberate and then finally my last recommendation is technomancy and technomancy is when you open up your phone and maybe you scroll through instagram and you find a message that's for you it's almost the same as Bibliomancy, but the digital version. I sometimes do this with Reddit <laughs> where I'll open up Reddit and I'll scroll and I'll see whatever like lights me up and gets me excited and then read a little bit more about it and then try to, basically I use that as inspiration, right? Like if that inspired me, that got me excited. I want to talk about, well, what is there? What's underneath that? Often I get excited by a post and like on the, on the outside, it's like about tech or it's about, I don't know, witchcraft or it's about pimple popping, right? But like when I really go deep, deeper and ask myself, well, what is exciting about this to me? Like, why am I reacting to this? What's underneath this? There's something very human there and probably something that's not singular and just like just individual to me, probably a feeling that other people can relate to. And that's what really interesting content is. It's not, it helps us feel seen and understood. Again, content is really doing the heavy lifting. <laughs> it's like educating you and getting you to buy something and entertaining you and also making you feel seen and understood. But think about it. The content that we love on Instagram that we share and we save is like head nod mo moment content, right? Or like the content that you send your sister on, on TikTok. Now I'm just speaking from the eye. Is like, it's when you're like, oh my God, this is so me right? It's either that or puppies, but like, or this is so you. When we see ourselves in content, either because it's funny or because we see something brilliant, like when we often people share and save posts on Instagram of quotes that are articulated in a way that they agree with, but that's way smarter than they could say it. And the reason that people sh share that content is because they kind of want to like claim that intelligence, right? They're like, yeah, I think this too. But like, here's an articulate version of what I think or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. I do it as well. Like often I'm not very articulate. So I will totally claim, lay claim to someone else's brilliant genius words. But really good content gives us that head nod moment, makes us feel seen and understood and is relatable. And that's why it's so important to show yourself in your content, right? Not just literally show yourself, but show your heart talk about your experiences and why you know what you know, because that's what's interesting. You know, those stories are the things that ground us in like your humanity, but also help us know you and like you and trust you. You know, I think about how nothing is a coincidence a lot because I studied Tara de Marseille. Tara de Marseille is depending on who you're talking to, but many people will say it's the original form of tarot. It was sort of generated in Marseille in France and then 
actually was created in Italy, I should say, and then brought over to Marseille into the courts in Marseille. And so the many people will say it's the ancient Italian tarot and I'm Italian. So I wanted to study Tarot de Marseille because it's different than the Ryder Smith weight tarot deck. Very, very, very different. And I was reading a book on Tarot de Marseille because I couldn't really find anyone to teach it to me. So I just kind of had to read about it. And now since, since I've found more people who study it, but it still feels really rare and also difficult to learn. But it's something you just have to practice, which happens with a lot of mystical mystical things, I think. You just have to... We all look for teachers because we're like, somebody else knows the answers better than me. But then you just start practicing and you're like, wait, nobody really knows the answers. Or like, even if I don't know all the answers, it's okay. This is a practice, right? But in my book, the author says, you know, once you start the reading, anything that happens is part of the reading. If your doorbell rings... Once you start shuffling the cards, that's part of the reading. If a bird flies into the window, that's part of the reading. If your dog starts barking, that's part of the reading. It's all information. And I feel like that's kind of what I'm getting at here is it's all part of the reading, right? When we sit down to make content, we can't just be in a silo by ourselves or in a vacuum, just being like heads down on our computers, making our content, typing away, like our eyeballs bleeding because we've been staring at blue screens for too long. We have to acknowledge that we don't live in a silo. We don't live in a bubble. We live in a human ecosystem. We live in an etheric ecosystem and that everything is giving us information. And once we've sat down, once the reading has started, <laughs> We should consider the information that comes in because we are channeling, because it is magic, because you are psychic, because you are intuitive. So to ignore that information as it comes through would be a disservice to what you're doing. It's just as if you're reading the Tarot de Marseille. You can't ignore the dog barking or the fact that your neighbor just landed on your doorstep, right? That's all part of it. It's all information. And who are you? to hold back that information and judge it because you're worried that it's not going to make sense or because you're worried that you're going to look stupid. Gosh, in so many Akashic Records readings that I've done, I've gotten information and been like, I can't say that. Like I sound, that would be deranged. I cannot say that. Like, or, you know, I see a crazy image and I'm like, I don't know why there's like dancing raisinets, raisinets on top of your head. Like I can't tell this person that that's what's happening. And then I inevitably... I do. And I'm like, so this is weird. Just stay with me. Does this mean anything to you? And they're like, oh my God, yes. And if I had kept that to myself, if I'd kept that information to myself, would the reading have been good? Yeah, probably. Probably would have been fine. The fact that I didn't and that there was something there means that makes that reading so much more meaningful, right? It's like, whoa, there was information there. And who was I to try and, and keep that from my client or from the person I'm reading for? Like, who am I to think that I'm so self-important that I can decide what's worthy and what's not worthy? All I'm here to do is be a messenger. And I'm getting like a little in the weeds because I know we're just talking about content. And you're like, lady, it's TikTok or like it's Instagram. Don't freak out. But the truth is like when you're making content, you really are just the messenger, right? It's not up to you to judge the message, <laughs> It's your job to deliver it with clarity and truth and honesty and in your way, right? In the way that like makes sense to you. And hopefully 
if you struggle with things like imposter syndrome, that helps you move past it to just remember like it's none of your business, whether (laughs) it's none of your business to change the message or to be worried about whether people receive the message. What is your business is to like make sure that you are delivering that message with as much care as you possibly can muster and with as much clarity as, as you can develop. And so it's your responsibility and your job to be clear and to stay connected and to see the magic in the mundane and to be open and to not sort of like try to block the message as it comes through. And often the message asks us or spirit or divine or whatever asks us to step out on a ledge that feels really uncomfortable, to share something that feels scary or feels intimidating or vulnerable. And we have the option or the choice to step up into it or not. And you're not going to get punished. This isn't a test. There is no such thing as tests. You're not being tested. Don't worry. You can't pass or fail. (laughs) It's all good. You're not being tested. But you do get a choice and you get to choose your destiny, right? You get to choose the outcome that you want. Our Akashic Records show us the most likely outcome based on the trajectory that we're on, but we get to choose that trajectory. We get to change that trajectory if we'd like. That's kind of like what we're talking about here. You get to choose if you want to deliver that message in full integrity or not, and you can always change your mind. So that's all to say. There's some really fun ways to make to make content intuitively. And also like, it, I'm, I guess like I didn't realize this when I wrote, sat down to write this episode, but like to make content really requires vulnerability and really like asks you to like be human. And that's, I think when the best content gets made, the, the type of content that, that really delivers and you can make this process fun and intuitive and magical. And you should. I always light incense before I start writing or before I start making things. I take my tinctures. I clear the air. I clear myself. I like wash my hands with salt, especially when I'm like about to do a lot of writing or like when I'm writing a really big email sequence. I really prepare like it's a ritual because life is that, right? Like I've said it before, but like there's magic in the mundane. Like we can make all of this, all the businessy stuff, all the living stuff, all the like human stuff. We can make it magical. We have it within us. And guess what? It's fucking fun. It's really fun to do it. The minute that it becomes like stressful or I don't know, like superstitious, like don't do it then. (laughs) But when it's fun for you, hell yeah, dude, you'll make dope shit. You'll make dope shit if you're having fun and you're connected to the divine, which is you. So that's my advice for today. (laughs) I feel like this is all over the place, but let's circle back with the key takeaways. The practical elements that you need to know about making content. First, you got to know your content ecosystem. Very, very important. How is the content that you're making breadcrumbing back to the product or service that you want to deliver to people? Next, get yourself an editorial calendar. I made one for you, holisticism.com backslash content dash creation. And batching your content can be really dope. It can be really great if you are an inconsistent person, perhaps if you have physical or mental or emotional reasons for maybe not being able to have a consistent, good capitalist (laughs) output. 
like me. Batching content can totally be your friend. It also can be difficult at times. Don't be hard on yourself if it doesn't work out. And I would say if it doesn't work out the first time, just try again. You never know when it's going to stick. Never write from an empty page. That is my most important piece of advice that I can give you. So get a second brain, get something else going that will help you. And get your intuitive tools out, get your intuitive gifts. They are what's going to help you not write from an empty page, right? You're getting something to jump off from. Remember, once the card, you've decided that the reading is happening, once you've decided that the content creation is happening, everything that happens is part of the reading. Everything that happens is part of the content creation experience and is information, right? That you either choose to use or to forget about. So you can use the tarot, the Akashic Records, automatic writing, astrology, bibliomancy, and technomancy to channel whatever message is supposed to come through in terms of your content and what you need to deliver to your community. Okay, that's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And I would love your feedback on this. I'd love to hear how the content creation process is going for you. Seriously, it makes my day. So either hit me up at Holisticism on Instagram or shoot me a text at the number in our show notes, or you can write a review of this podcast and let me know what you think of it. I would love that. It really helps us when people write reviews and when they like the podcast and give it five stars on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. I know it's like so cheesy because everyone says that, but it's really true and it makes such a big difference. And we just really, really appreciate it when you are able to do that. And if you're not able to do that, or maybe you're a sweet baby angel and you've already liked the podcast and given it a review, if you share this on on your Instagram or you text it to a friend who might also dig it, that seriously is like how we grow. It is slow, but but steady growth and it's organic growth on podcasts, which is really cool. And we exponentially get new listeners every week. And I know it's because it's directly because of you, because you're listening to this and you're sharing it with your friends. And I'm just so grateful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you so much. Join us at the Holisticism Hub if you want to have more fun. (laughs) The Holisticism Hub is our free community for all people where we talk about mysticism and intuitive entrepreneurship and all the good things. And we'd love to see you in there. If you just want to talk shit on wellness products and see the hottest new wellness jobs and learn about the trends that are happening in the wellness space, join the cusp. It's like five bucks a month. It's so affordable and so fun and so cool. We are dropping so many goodies in there. Our new keychains are out, which is exciting. And I think that's it. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I'll see you on the internet. Bye. Bye.